Welcome to the No Feeding Tips Show. I'm your host, Yvonne McLaren, and I'm here to help you live your best food life after following head and neck cancer treatment. This is a lived experience which I think is better shared. So grab a cup of tea, grab a cup of coffee, grab your favourite cuppa, and let's discuss. Hello there. Welcome to episode 46. Now, I've mucked these up a little bit because one of the episodes that I did, uh, the audio didn't work. It was all about stiff necks and what I do to make mine um, manageable. I'll go back and redo it for you. But today's episode, episode 46, this is actually a bit of an um, opinion piece as opposed to um, teaching you anything specifically uh, in my lived experience with this treatment of um, head and neck cancer. Uh, And I've entitled this the Bermuda Triangle um, of Food. (laughs) And it struck me as um, something that I needed to talk about when I was out last weekend with some friends. And you might also notice something new in 2023. I now have a subscription button on the front of the um, podcast cover there if you're looking on Spotify or Apple or Google or wherever you're downloading or listening to this. There is a subscription button that enables you to pay me money, essentially, for premium content Uh, And if you're a subscriber, you will have access to premium content. So that's just something new that I wanted to point out to you. It also means that I now have to create premium content for you, which is actually a really good thing because it's going to make me think a little bit differently. And I think it's also going to bring you along on the journey with me um, probably far more closely than what we do just with the general discussion. But today's opinion piece And it really is an opinion piece. And I don't want anyone to get upset about this, but I want to talk about well-meaning speech-language pathologists slash dietitians, but probably SLPs. And it's something that occurred on my own social media as a result of me posting some difficulty that I have, still have, probably will always have, eating salad. Now, the first thing that got up my goat a bit was, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't let these things get up my nose, but they do, um, is well-intentioned placement of advice around food. And I look, if you're going through this, and if you are an SLP listening to this, I think it's really important to, by all means, encourage people to eat and try different things. Uh, but this particular SLP mentioned a IDSI Level 5, um, I'm just reading it here, moist salad plate. Salad plate. Now, I'm going to try and not jumble around here too much and try and put this opinion into some sequential order for you, but the first thing is it's not necessarily about moisture. A lot of the time it is, but with salad, 
in my case, it's more about uh, texture and skin and particular vegetable and or fruit that is added to the salad. Now, quite, I, and I'm sure this person was trying to be helpful, and for many of you it, it would have been helpful, but for me a moist salad plate wasn't helpful because it was, in fact, uh, a mashed egg salad, and I don't manage egg unless it's whipped raw into hot stock, in which case uh, it becomes a liquid, not uh, a cooked egg as such. So, and mentioning an NCL5, I-double-D-S-I-L-5. Now, I just happen to know what that means because I researched IDSI. Why they don't tell head and neck cancer treatment patients about IDSI, I will never know. It's a really good program and I don't want to go down the IDSI rabbit hole today but uh, I had to research that for myself and of course that's what I show people when I um, talk about transitioning off your peg tube back to oral eating and that's one of the resources that I refer you to in my Mind Food Body program is the IDSI program. Um, I don't know why they don't mention it. They should because it's really good and it's worldwide and it means that we're all on the same page and we're all talking about the same thing. But it just gets up my nose when people go, oh, I make a really good salad and you should try this and you should try that. And I know what I can and can't manage. And I think what would be far more helpful is encouraging head and neck cancer treatment patients to be a little bit fearless but also be bold in the food that they try. I think that would be far more helpful. Suggest people try different cuisines. Suggest people try uh, different food combinations even, perhaps. I think being specific around make a great guacamole and do this and do that, you know, uh, you know look, there, there is some, and this is all in my opinion, I might add, there is some evidence to suggest that that would be useful and helpful. I've got two beautiful big pasta shells full of ricotta cheese in my fridge. I know they're going in the bin. Uh, I bought the freshly made by a beautiful Italian woman here that lives locally to me. I added lots of pasta and pizza sauce to it. I still can't eat the ricotta cheese. Too dry, too crumbly. Doesn't matter whether I cook it in moisture, add more sauce to it, I inevitably will end up choking on that ricotta cheese. So I think you've got to be very careful about what you do suggest to people. I think uh, it's a much better way to talk to people about uh, being bold, doing some research and actually educating uh, themselves on food, food types, food products, food combining, food cooking techniques. If you're going to get specific about it, I think that is a much um healthier and I think a better way to teach head and neck cancer patients about eating. Uh, the other point was, and I talked about this being the Bermuda Triangle on the weekend because, <laughs> uh, and if you're watching me on YouTube, you'll see me, you know, you, I hook a finger in my mouth and I can pull out a piece of food that may have been there, which is awful, but may have been there for a day 
it's generally not longer than a day for me because my um, teeth maintenance and mouth maintenance, I'm I'm pretty anal about it in the sense that I'm very pernickety about it, so I wouldn't leave it there for that long. But then it can be a a lone piece of carrot or a piece of beef mince normally because that's something else that I don't manage well. Onion out of a salad, yes. And um, this particular SLP helpfully suggested very, very, very finely um, grated carrot. Now, I don't know about anyone else, but finely grated carrot would just about put me in a box 20 feet under. Um, the bigger the chunks for me, the better. Um, chives, herbs, parsley, love all that stuff. And for those that have been following and listening to me know that I'm a qualified chef, I'm a foodie, cooking food was my life. So using aromatics and herbs and things was always a part of my cooking. Now I have to be so careful about what I add, uh, how I add it, how I eat it, what meal I have it, because if I have it for breakfast, then I've got to make sure that my teeth are scrupulously clean to ensure that if I go to a meeting, I've got, got a big piece of grain parsley lodged somewhere where I don't want it to be lodged, and that means my teeth, my smile, um, my mouth. So that's my beef for today. Um beef something that I can't manage very easily but I can eat lamb I can eat pork chicken I'm starting to get better last night I couldn't eat fish um I don't know why I think the fish was old but I just think um you know this Bermuda triangle that we have of a mouth and depending on what you've had done can mean loss of tongue loss of um any other top palate, bottom palate, soft palate, nasal passages, cheek, jaw. There's any number of places that food can end up going, which is why I call it the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, and I think that speech language pathologists generally uh, need to be mindful about dictating and dietitians too, because unless you've been through this, you don't really understand the finite um, activity that goes on in your mouth. It's like, I, I mean, to this day, I cannot believe I still cannot eat watermelon. And in Australia, watermelon is almost like the fruit that you eat uh, when it's hot because you put watermelon pieces in the fridge, you eat them on the beach, you eat them by the pool and Trust me, it gets very hot here and eating watermelon is just something I'm slowly getting better at it, but it is one of those things that I'm very mindful of um, choking on. And you can have that beautiful watermelon salad with the feta and the mint and the and the Spanish onion uh, finely sliced and popped through that onion is beautiful. Uh, alas, I can't eat – well, I can eat everything in that salad except for the watermelon – um, because I know it will choke me. Mangoes I'm pretty good with. Bananas I'm starting to struggle with again now, mainly because I can't chew them and I can't uh, masticate it enough to actually get it into a bolus that I can swallow. And the reason I bring this up, and I'm going to wrap this up because it really is just an opinion piece of me having a bit of a whinge really, um, 
because I put this on my social media about this difficulty in eating salad during hotter months and hotter weather here in Australia, uh, you know, I talked about having textures and there are some textures that I add to salad or to my meals to drag the food literally down my throat to help me swallow. Now, for you out there that are listening that have been dealing with this same issue as I have been now for four years, you understand that you know what grippy means, what grabby food means, what I can manage that because I know that will grab onto something else and it will pull everything down my throat and help me swallow. Um, so it's not just about having moist food. You know, you can't get a much softer, wetter food than uh, cold watermelon, but the disintegration rate and the pulpiness that it leaves is really dangerous for me. Uh, for other people, it may not be. I'm still slowly starting to get a bit better with apples but the other thing I did find the other day which I'm really quite good at and and, and eating is um, throwing a berry in um, I just can't think of the name of it and as soon as I started saying that I thought I've forgotten the name of the, the berry that was used but it was in a um, which started this whole bloody story off it was in a salad and it was the sweetness in this sort of Vietnamese salad that had lots of stuff in it that I thought, I'm never going to manage that, but I did manage it. I didn't talk through the entire meal, but I did manage. It was a, um, a dried, oh, what are those dried berries called? I can't remember. Anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about today. I just think it's important that um, some of the medical fraternity are really mindful themselves about being helpful to head and neck cancer patients after their treatment and trying to help them eat. By all means, um, support them around giving advice on food, absolutely, but... For me, uh, you know, I kind of think, well, you know, a moist eggy salad isn't going to work for me. I can eat scrambled egg now, but it took me four years. Poached eggs are much better for me. Um, sourdough is better than other bread, but I can manage bread now. And that's just been through sheer dogged determination uh, and always having a liquid chaser to the side. So episode 46, I'm going to post this straight away because uh, the other one needs to be re-recorded. And, um, yeah, this is an opinion piece for me and just me having a bit of a whinge about well-meaning um, comments about what can eat and can't eat. And um, I would really like to know your opinion on whether or not you've been told something uh, that you should or shouldn't eat and you just know that you're just never going to manage it. But having said that, I will also say now I don't say no to anything. I'll always give it another go. And the, literally yesterday I gave chickpeas another go. No, still can't eat them. And I actually made them into very, very fine chickpea fritters and I fried them and served them with vast amount dollops of um, full fat Greek yogurt with some mayonnaise and some lemon juice and they were still too dry, still couldn't get them down and I, I ended up throwing them out because we couldn't manage them. They were fine, 
they were too dry, um, so I've got to find another way to try and consume chickpeas. On that note, that's the end of today's episode. Um, just my little whinge about um, something I've noticed on social media and well-intentioned advice. And if the person who wrote that is listening, um, please don't be offended by it. I just I think it's really helpful to say things to people about. It's about how you deliver the information. And I think perhaps sometimes the focus needs to be more on making your patients brave, making them um, aware of research and aware of things like IDSI as opposed to um, suggesting food types because... I don't know, I just know the longer I do this, the diff more different we all are and I think we all start to get into our own groove and I know for me I would only be taking food advice from someone else who's been through this um, journey and when you start out in this journey you don't know that because you don't know what you don't know. So I'll wind that up, episode 46, um, and just a reminder, uh, subscription button is now on the No Feeding Tubes podcast. So for those that would like access to the premium content, um, please subscribe. And uh, if you happen to be on Apple or Spotify, please leave a review. An Apple review is probably the better one. That just helps things out, particularly if you like the content of the show. And I'm, the content will change as I change. And I'm going to go back and look through what I did over the last year and perhaps re-address uh, and talk about some of the things that I talked about last year. So eat well, everybody. Until we meet again, look after yourselves and look after somebody else. I'll see you in the next episode. Okay, bye.